Welcome to the broadcast. Every Arizona homeowner's best friend. Thanks for tuning in. It's Rosie on the house. Your weekend wake-up tradition. Inch by inch, row by row. Gonna make this start grow. Good morning, all y'all. Welcome to Rosie on the House. It's my house, and we're here this morning for you. And we're here this morning in the outdoor living hour with two very special guests that want to help you solve any problem you've got in your landscape, irrigation, hardscape, outdoor lighting. We've got Aaron Murkow from Core Landscaping. Aaron, good morning. Thanks for joining us. Good morning. Thanks for having me. And Mr. John J. Harper, who's been with us, joining us for over 20 years. John J., thanks for coming in. Oh, always a pleasure to be here. All right. We're here to answer any question you might have about your landscape, hardscape, trees, vegetation, garden, lawn, tiff, whatever, by calling us at one 767 We're here for you, the Arizona homeowner. We're every Arizona homeowner's happy place. We've been here in the great state of Arizona. Uh, I've been here since 1966. John Jay's been here when his grandparents showed up here in Wynn. Well, my my dad's dad showed up in Arizona in uh, 1919. 1919. My mom's grandparents were both born here. Okay. So So great-grandparents showed up here sometime in the late 1800s, early 1900s. There you go, Aaron. I showed up much later than that, but I've been here for a while. (laughs) We're bringing lots of Arizona experience to work for you, the Arizona homeowner, this morning. The great thing about Rosie on the House is you're never going to hear any bad news. As a matter of fact, I'm only going to mention the heat one time. And here's what I want. I want all of you Arizona homeowners to do old Rosie a personal favor. Every December, every January, when your relatives in Bismarck, Minneapolis, Chicago, are under a blizzard misery, you keep sending them pictures of your backyard. I want you to send them pictures now. Tell them it's 150. We have a chance of hitting 120 this weekend. I saw that. Okay. Now, you need to let your relatives know about that. Because if all they see is November and December pictures, they're going to keep moving here. (laughs) (laughs) Send them pictures of year-round reality. Because this is is what Arizona is. And... uh, Ah, John Jay and I go back together a long, long time, all the way back in the 70s. We, we played on the same high school football team for a little while. And John Jay, I never remember the coaches one time giving us a heat warning. Never. And, it was twice know, a day. We had to be at the morning practice, the afternoon practice. And, and ba- that was back when they thought drinking too much water was That's bad right. for you. They, they you, give you a salt yes. pill and ice cubes to suck on <laughs> gatorade what's that <laughs> yeah that was way before Ga- well uh, gatorade was around but it, you know now that you don't want to drink too much water now you might make you sick <laughs> yeah that's right that's exactly right oh man well aaron you're here this morning with core landscaping and i uh, appreciate you coming in this morning because in in this season irrigation's pretty critical john jay taught me years ago have a plant in your yard that's a key indicator my key indicating plant's really crying, uh-huh. really crying loud right now. <laughs> I, there's hardly anything I can do to keep it happy right now. Just got to give everything lots of water, especially when we have so many days back-to-back of so much heat. 
uh, the plants struggle. And it is possible to overwater them too. But right now they just need quite a bit of water. How, how would you even know you're overwatering a plant in this condition? Right now, it's pretty tough, and usually, the, unfortunately, the the symptoms or the or the results of that don't show up for a while down the road. Oh, but boy, as soon as excuse me, <clears throat> as soon as we get some significant moisture or some cloudier weather, and this thing gets back to more normal and the humidity goes up, boy, you really want to adjust it then because then that soil does stay wet a long time. But I, you know, we've talked before when it you can have your system dialed in. When it hits 110, forget about schedule. You know, I just tell people, you got to start watching your plants because you know even your your best designed irrigation schedule at that point. I've got mature, established stuff in my yard, and I went out yesterday afternoon, and man, it was hurting. And so I hit it, put it on some manual time, and ran it for you know a little bit, and that that got it. But if I hadn't have done that, or if you'd have been on vacation, and it had gone a couple of days, it. it it doesn't take long to have some permanent damage. My vegetable garden is just begging to just be lit on fire. It's yeah, a, Rosie, well. just burn me. <laughs> just, <laughs> just, 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 just torch me, Rosie, please. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. yeah, vegetables at this point. You know, my my eggplant looks, oh, it's happy as heck, and the melons, but the, the tomatoes, they're on their last, you know, I mean, you can just see. I can't water. You can't even water them enough. I can't even convince my okra to grow. Oh wow! Okra usually likes. I know. Once the humidity kicks in, though, it'll take off. It'll. T- I promise you, it'll take off. Very blessed about the humidity. I mean, it was just ten days ago we were at five percent. Now we're running thirty, forty percent. I do see some high, little cloud cover occasionally every other afternoon. I've got reports from Sierra Vista. They're getting rain already. So, uh, Uncle in Patagonia, any moisture yeah, in Patagonia? They had some rain there. They had some okay. rain. I saw a post from somebody in Christopher Creek yesterday. They got a shower. So it's it's trying. All right. It's very, good. very good. So irrigation. What? Well, if I see a stress plant, Aaron, uh, am I okay out of pure sympathy to just juice it at 112 degrees at 4 o'clock in the afternoon? Or should I wait till 8 o'clock and the sun goes down? You should probably wait yep. till an optimal time of the day. But, you know, on that same note, just like John was saying, all these sprinkler controllers to give them manual times, you know, they, they automate all this stuff now. So it's much easier to manually cycle it, whether you're in town or out of town, um, if you need to. And especially during now, no program limitations as far as we can only run it, you know, three times a day. These allow you unlimited parameters to, to cycle your irrigation, which really helps, especially with times like now. Yeah, I've still got an old school controller. <laughs> well, I'm glad you said that. I, the last irrigation controller uh, I figured out, uh, I was working for Bill Jenkins at the time. Well, and, you're lucky it's lasted that uh, long. Well, and it's the last one I'm going to figure out. Because, yeah. I mean, uh, I, I think my clock is 40 or 45 years old, and I just keep patting it on the back and saying, keep her up, buddy. But the, but the new, I think you're talking about, they've got Wi-Fi, and you can, mm-hmm. you can do them from your smartphone and... All that stuff, right? Oh, yeah. All kinds of unlimited capabilities. That's very intimidating to me. It can be. And that's most That's most of the reason that people don't do them. <laughs> but I'll tell you, Yeah. Uh, just last week, I put one in. I put in a HydroWise, which is one of the Wi-Fi controllers that we can manage and the customer can manage. And the customer was 95 years old, and he figured out how to use it in about five minutes. So if he can do it, anyone can do it. 
Okay. Well, that's a very encouraging note. I may get his name, phone number, and address and go visit. <laughs> get a little tutorial. Yes, yes. So these new clocks, they can manage a lot of these stress situations. They can. Uh, they just allow basically any inputs you want. So however many start times you want, as many run times, you can cycle and soak, which basically means splitting your cycle up if you need to. Um, it's especially helpful for overseeding because most controllers only allow you a few different times during the day to program them. And so these ones, if you wanted shorter cycles but longer runs, or sorry, more start times, you have the ability to do that. So uh, just a bunch of different capabilities uh, to give you as much flexibility as you need. And but, overseeding, uh, talking about overseeding, Aaron, that would tell me you believe winter is going to arrive. <laughs> eventually. <laughs> it always does. It's, yeah, it's coming, it always right? Does. It's coming. It's like the guy that was walking, the story goes with Mark Twain and, Walking down there was rain and like cats and dogs, and he goes, "Gosh, I wonder if it'll ever stop." And he says, "It always does." It always does. <laughs> <laughs> it always does. You know, the nice thing getting back to that though, I was I took the family to Southern California. We're on the beach, and I look at the forecast, and I call my brother. I said, "Hey, if you're in the neighborhood, would you go adjust my controller? Because it can be 100 and over 110 and you know i had it set up for summer but i know it's not going to you know so it it allows you to look at that and go wow i need to boom plug it in yeah you up can, your times you don't have to bother anybody and vice versa hey i'm somewhere and it's raining exactly shut it off or you know that, that's really a cool i'm gonna have to think well if that. i get one of those i'm just gonna keep aaron's phone number on speed dial well he said they manage I, them yeah so i know i, I heard that, must that. Be a business i heard model. that i heard him say he <laughs> will do it i must have misspoke <laughs> <laughs> careful what you careful what you wish for we we will be on speed dial you and me my good friend hey uh, John Jay, you were absolutely kicking my behind on the challenge we set up between each other years ago about saving the most water at our home. You've completely converted off all natural grass. I, I am all artificial turf, front and back. What now. has that done to your water bill? Well, there was a couple of bills during the winter months that I that I called and said, "I don't think that I don't think you read that this isn't right." Because it was like seventy-eight bucks or something like that, which, if you look at it, that was only a ten or eleven dollars of that was water. You know, most of it was fees, fees taxes. and taxes and garbage pickup and sewer and everything else. So that's that's what it's done. Um, it's it's remarkable um, what it'll do for you. Plus. I don't have to go leave here and go home and mow the grass. Amen. That's good. Yeah, 110 degrees. So. Yeah, at this time of year, I'm I'm mowing twice a week. Yeah. Uh, but I did eliminate a thousand square feet of tiff. Uh, so I'm hoping, and I did that over the winter uh, with Ray Lopez at Scottsdale Weed. I said, now I want you to to eliminate it organically, so that when I put in my raised planters, that's all organic gardening out there. It it was quite the process. It took months. It it's yeah and. Uh, steal air and thunder but really the best time to eliminate it is now um, which is hard to get people to wait you know to do a project in the summertime but to kill bermuda grass in the wintertime is can be a challenge yeah and we and we started it last september and it wasn't until february that, that ray and i were happy yeah there you the go. process was done which exceeded city of scottsdale's rebate period <laughs> <laughs> so, <laughs> gotta get an extension. So I lost that. 
But I want to. I, I do want to tip my hat to City of Scottsdale. We're going to take a short break right now. But City of Scottsdale City Council just passed an ordinance that I'd really like to congratulate them for the foresight on doing it. We'll do that with Aaron Murkow of Core Landscaping, John J. Harper, here to answer any question you might have about your landscaping or irrigation at one 767 4348 Tell me, can you feel it? Now, I know... The meteorologists have redefined what monsoon is. I was parked in my car at Scottsdale Road and Cactus. At 3.30 this last Wednesday afternoon, I had one raindrop hit my windshield. One? One. (laughs) (laughs) Not two. Not three. One raindrop. Now, in my mind, that means it's coming, right? Yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> All right. We were talking about tipping the hat to Scottsdale, and we're here in the outdoor living hour of Rosie on the House. Our lines are open. Jess is here taking calls, if you'd like. We've got some calls coming in, uh, but nobody's wanted to be on air yet. If you ask your question on air, then we can answer it for the benefit of you and all the listening audience. So don't be bashful. Give us a ring at one triple eight. 767-4348. Any question you've got about your landscape or irrigation, this is the hour to call in. Don't wait until 8.55 and say, oh, I've thought of a question. It's going to be too late. But I wanted to tip my hat, Aaron, to uh, City of Scottsdale, who just recently passed this ordinance forbidding front live lawns. Yeah, I mean, they've <clears throat> been talking about the water issue for a while now and this is just one thing they they can do to help control i mean you have to kind of keep in mind that i'm a proponent of real turf and real grass it stays cooler there's more benefits obviously there's more maintenance but on average i mean if you use a low pressure or a high efficiency sprinkler nozzle you might significantly reduce your output but normal sprinklers are putting out one to two gallons per minute and rotors even higher so just a tiny break in a sprinkler head because most people aren't checking them regularly. They're, right. they're using a lot of water. Yes. Yeah, irrigation failure is a big reason for overwater consumption for sure. 100%. 100%. But City of Scottsdale, who had a goal of saving citywide 5%, uh, actually accomplished 7%. And then they're going to do this. We're effective. I think it's like, yeah, it's like middle of next month. Effective August 15th, no new housing permits will be allowed for you to establish a lawn in the front yard. And there are a lot of ways to create a handsome front yard without a lawn. Well, and and, and, and I suppose in, to some degree anymore, front, front, the lot sizes and the sizes of most front yards, almost, you know, a, gra- a, a grass lawn in the front yard, almost, it's almost too small anyway. <laughs> You know, right. and, and, and so you're in your kids. And I thought, you know, the, the concept of xeriscaping, going back to the yeah. original concept, was match your landscape to your lifestyle. Okay. So if, you know, when I no longer had any kids playing ball in the front yard, 
it's kind of dumb to have, you know, why have grass out? Nobody's out. That front yard is strictly for my neighbors to look at. Yes, it is. Pretty much. Yes, it is. Or for is. me when I pull up to my house or my guests. That's, it, it lost its functionality years ago. And in the backyard, when everybody's moved, gone away, and we want to leave once in a while and do that, then, then the grass becomes a liability as opposed to that cooling, nice, I, I agree. It's hot. That artificial turf is hot. It does. It gets hot. I mean, I have it. We put it in in quite a few spaces. We're doing a lot of conversions. Yes, uh, I bet you are. Live turf to that. And I have it in my backyard too. And I'd say the most common question that comes up is, well, it's hot. You have a pool. How do the kids walk across it? How do people walk across it? There's things you can do. You can put up umbrellas, shade sails, et cetera. And I might have another question in reference to that on line one. We'll bring Jim into the conversation. Mr. Jim, welcome to Rosie on the House. You're here with Aaron Murkow of Core Landscaping, Rosie Certified Landscape Irrigation Specialist, and Mr. John J. Harper. What is your question? So my question is all this great astroturf with all the the urine, the smell that comes up from, you know, the dog out there doing their business. Well, how does one mitigate that to get rid of that smell? What's the best... Uh, That's a great question. You know, John Jay, I was surprised when all the high schools started converting the fields to AstroTurf because in those twice a days you and I were talking about, I remember a good many of us being on the side throwing up the grass. (laughs) (laughs) I never thought of that, but you're right. So, Aaron, what what do you do with that uh, pet waste on the artificial lawn? I would say there's a, a couple things you do. Uh, one, try not to let it sit on the turf. Clean it up, you know, regularly. I don't think anyone could convince anyone that it's going to be 100% smell-proof if your dog is peeing on it. Uh, but you can start by using a pet-friendly synthetic turf. It's built oh. a little bit differently, oh. so it's kind of made for that. And the material that goes on the inner field of that is the infill. You'd use a pet-friendly infill, too, that wouldn't clump up. So it would just help with drainage so that could leach down instead of sitting on the surface. Okay. But there's also, um, in addition to hosing it off and using chemicals to clean it, there's turf cleaning companies that will come out, you know, twice a year, once a year. Mitch Otto is doing that as a business. Okay. Yes. All right. So they can... So I'm hearing you trade in your lawnmower for a power washer. That's right. That's what, that, <laughs> that's what, that's what you're hearing. That, that's what I'm hearing. We're here with Aaron Murkow, Core Landscaping, and Rosie on the house. More when we get back. We'll have Gino and Stephanie online when we get back. Outdoor living at Rosie on the House. And yes, you can outdoor live in Arizona with the proper knowledge and experience and wisdom year-round in the great state of Arizona. We're here this morning with Aaron Murkow from Core Landscaping, Rosie Certified Irrigation Landscape Specialist. Aaron, tell me about Core Landscaping. How'd you get into that deal? Yeah, of course. This is my second company. Okay. Uh, This company started in 2016. And we started just as an irrigation company. It was just supposed to be a part-time. I had the knowledge, had the license. We'll just fix some sprinklers, put some timers and things like that. There's a real need for that. 
Oh, of course. But man, I mean, there is a huge need for that. There is. And so fast forward to today, we're back to full service. Uh, we don't maintain landscapes, but everything in between. So pavers, uh, turf, et cetera. Okay. So design and installation of landscaping plans and schemes. That's right. All right. So if someone wanted to reach out to you, how would they do it? And where's your service area? Of course. So we're based out of Gilbert. We service Valleywide. Um, I'd say Phoenix and East is our primary area. Our office number is 602-525-2606, or they can get online to corelandscapeaz.com slash book. And we have an automatic booking widget on there that syncs with our calendar. So they just pick the day and time that they want. There's no back and forth. They just put in their information and what they're looking for and book the appointment. So that's like the 95-year-old that figured out the new irrigations. And that's <laughs> right. <laughs> but people like me can call you, right? Of and, course. You and can what's call. that number again? It's a 602-525-2606. Very good. Core landscaping. Let's bring Gino into the conversation. Who's called with a question about his landscape. Good morning, Gino. Morning, guys. How are you? Very well. What you fighting with good. this morning? Good. Uh, uh, I have an Indian laurel that I planted two years ago in my backyard. Am I saying that correctly, or is that the correct tree? Well, that's the common name for ficus uh, nitida. Yeah, Indian laurel. And I, I can verify you yep. said backyard correct. <laughs> <laughs> can you spell that, though? <laughs> what's, a, what's the Latin word for backyard? <laughs> okay, go ahead, Gino. Uh, so uh, last so, I, like I said, I put it in two years ago. Last summer, it was doing great. It was start. It's, it's just a little guy too. It's not very big. And then uh, this summer came around. I did a really good deep watering on it. And then a couple weeks later, all the leaves fell off. But that's kind of when the temperature started kicking up. My irrigation's also turning on every two days as well for 30 minutes a day early in the morning. So I was wondering if I was overwatering it or if I underwatering it or what's going on with that. And this tree is two years old? Yeah, it's probably about six, seven feet tall. Okay. So a couple of things. Um, you say you're, you have an irrigation system, but then you supplement, you're supplemental watering it, obviously once a month, like taking a hose over there and running it for a while, or what were you doing? Yeah, giving a nice slow, like watering it for about 45 minutes on a very low, like a low... Um, setting on the hose. Okay. Well, so a, a number of things going on there. Number one, I, I mentioned earlier in the show, once it's over 110, you know, throw your watering schedule out the door. You know, you need to readjust, even if you were already scheduled for summertime. It's just different. Um, you know, most cases, if it's 110, that means at 10 o'clock in the morning, it's 100 degrees already. Um, and that means that 10 o'clock at night it's still 100 degrees. So the, the, chance, the plants are not having a chance to recover at night, and it's getting hot earlier. And the other thing that I want you to do some math with me. So you're running, I assume you have a drip system that you're running for, you said, 20 minutes? Is that Man, correct? Yes, That's correct? Yes. Okay. So if we have, let's just say we have a one-gallon-an-hour emitter on that plant and we're running for 20 minutes, how many gallons of water are you putting on that plant? Not half a gallon. Yeah, not even that, right? 
So (laughs) go take, so then visually now go take a half a gallon water, a jug of water with a half a gallon in it. That's your iced tea pitcher. Yeah. That's a pitcher of iced tea. (laughs) And dump that on there and and see, and now do you think that's enough water? (laughs) Yeah, not even close. Not even close. So number one, we need to run longer. And I always tell people think in hours, not minutes when it comes to drip for trees, at least. Okay. And the uh, uh, Arizona Municipal Water Users Association has a little booklet called Landscape Watering by the Numbers. It's online. You can look at that. It has a little page in there. I used to know it by heart. I don't now. But it tells you based on tree or shrub or ground cover and then the size of the tree or shrub or ground cover, how many gallons of water you need to put on there to have an effective watering. And then it does give you a seasonal frequency, but like I said, even the seasonal frequency I'll throw out this time of year. And, and that will help you get online and, or go to the nursery and get one of those booklets, and, and that will help you figure out how much water you need to do that and then how often. The other thing, 45 minutes with a hose running slow is not even close to what we would consider a deep watering. When I, when I visualize, when I tell people to go out and they've got a tree and Six in, foot tall. And what is it, Indian laurel? Ficus nighty ficus. Oh, okay. Yeah. Ficus Remember the okay. year it froze, oh, all boy, the ficus calls. Yes, <laughs> okay, so we got a six foot tall ficus tree. He's got a hose supplemental warning, 45 minutes slow. Yeah, it needs to be, you know, four or five hours slow with a little, just a little pencil sized stream coming out of that hose. You're trying to create a wet area. How big down there? Is at least wider than the canopy of the tree. And that's a great, and that's a, well, a great way to two, three feet. Yeah. That's a lot of water. It is a lot of water and it takes a long time to do it at that rate. And that's great. But I just tell people, watch the wet spot. You know, if you go out there and run it and see, and that soil will turn dark or the gravel or whatever it's planted in, even if it's in a lawn, you can take a screwdriver, go out there and find out. And then as soon as that has seeped out around that tree to where it's as wider, wider than the tree. At that rate, you know you've done a good job of deep watering it. I might, want, I might want to add something. Mulch, 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 mulch. <laughs> well, depending on where the tree is planted, yeah. I mean, I, uh, we didn't even talk about that, but a, a good three to six inch layer of, you know, some type of organic material on top of the soil, even if it's temporary for the summer. Roses, ficus, citrus, ash trees, those, those plants that are not quite as desert adapted as some others. It's okay. a great idea. Very good. And Aaron, you wanted to talk a little bit about preparing for winter. <laughs> yeah, I mean, it doesn't seem like it's going to come, but oh, it will come. Uh, okay. And and your your concept was let's let's prepare now and think through what kind of color we want to show this fall this fall and winter. Now, we've got Trish online, and I think she has a landscaping design question for you. Let's bring Trish into the room. Trish, welcome to Rosie on the House. Let me introduce you to Aaron Merkel of Core Landscaping. What's your landscaping design challenge? Hi, and thanks for taking my call. You're welcome. Um, my husband and I recently moved, I shouldn't say recently, nine years ago, moved from the Midwest, and we were spoiled with having grass. Um, in the subdivision we're in, there's 70 homes, and we are the first to take out all of our grass, and we recently put in turf, high-end turf, uh, pet-friendly. You know, we, we did the whole thing. <clears throat> we left a two-foot border 
around the turf that faces the street and the driveway so that we could plant some xeriscape, if you will. We want some color in there. Um, and, and my question is this. Um, we've noticed in the area, when we see new homes being built where we live, that a lot of the landscapers will dig holes and leave the empty buckets in the hole and not put the plant in for a while. And somebody told us they do this to get acclimated to the ground of some sort. So my question is, A, is that true? And B, are we okay to hold off till the fall? Because I just think this, this heat is just too brutal to put new, new stuff in. Okay, well, Aaron, uh, just for a minute, I, I know you brought all your hats today. I want you to take your irrigation engineer hat off and put on your landscape design hat on. Uh, well, thanks for calling. I think that um, you can theoretically plant any time during the year. It's just a matter of how much care you're going to have to give to that plant uh, based on what time of the year you do it. As far as them putting buckets in the ground and potentially running drip tubing to them ahead of time, I believe all they're doing is just creating the holes and doing the work now and then just deferring the planting till later. I don't see how they would be acclimating plastic containers to the ground. <laughs> that, uh, that, <laughs> it's that. usually they haven't gotten the schedule coordinated to have the plants delivered <laughs> or, or it's just the way they do production. They'll go in, dig the holes, and then that bucket keeps the hole from caving in mm -hmm. on them. That's not a, a strategic botanical tactic. No. Not, not, one, not one that we've ever heard of. <laughs> okay, all right. All right. So what are some plant suggestions for that two-foot barrier, that two-foot perimeter between her front yard and her driveway and this artificial pet-friendly turf she's had installed? What are some ideas that would fill that two-foot area? Well, there's all kinds of plants. I mean, lantana is the most common type of plant. Um, any of the Tacoma uh, bell-type plants, orange bells, yellow bells, et cetera, it just kind of really is going to come down to – she lives in an association, so she probably has a, a plant list, and she could maybe only use the plants that are on that list. So rather than throw out a bunch of suggestions, I think she first probably needs to look at the list of what she's able to plant. And then from there, you know, we could dissect. We're happy to help her out with that. And how, how would she reach out to you? She could uh, jump on our website at corelandscapeaz.com and book an appointment or submit a form. Or she could also call uh, 602-525-2606. All right. And I like the concept she's talking about where it isn't all just one uniform finish. I like the layers. I like, you know, uh, I like the interplay of the hardscape, the softscape, the different vegetations and the layers. But I'll tell you one thing I think that makes all the difference in the world. But it only really makes a difference about six hours a day. But it makes... All the difference in the world is the outdoor lighting. Yeah. It's, I mean, you can change the feel of an entire residence with good outdoor lighting. You absolutely can. And there's so many different types of lights you can use. Uh, up lights, down lights, path lights, ledge lights, so many different types, so many options. And just kind of balancing the dark spots in your yard, it just adds that background ambiance that really allows you to enjoy your outdoor space at night. And engineered correctly, it creates shadows that are interesting. There's no glare bombs staring you back in the face. Uh, I was recently at a property uh, that they actually wired the, the entire property. 
that as a as a home as a car entered the driveway or a pedestrian entered the front walk, they broke a light beam and lights at the perimeter of the property lit the house. Interesting. And I thought that that's pretty cool. It is. Uh that's a little sophisticated for yeah. most projects that we do. Yeah, but it that, is. That, that's it, a neat. It, yeah, but it was a cool idea. And a lot of the lights were lit on the back side of the fascia so you couldn't see them. And it just lit the house up. So as you approached, you were visible. And the house was easy to see the steps and everything else. I thought it was pretty cool. That's taking neat. motion security lighting to a whole new level. <laughs> oh, yeah. Yeah. <clears throat> so, but outdoor lighting is another one of the areas you're you're engaged in. That's right. I mean, most landscapes encompass that. Sometimes we just go and maybe they have old halogen bulbs that were retrofitting to an LED system. Yeah. They have color changing options now that you can yeah. change the color of <laughs> your bulb lighting. to whatever you want. So That's really cool, too, because you can have your Christmas lights already done. That's right. <laughs> yeah, right, right. Well, right. some people do that anyway. Yeah, right. <laughs> I never take them That's down. That's true. But, uh, especially you guys from certain parts of the country have been accused of leaving your Christmas. Well, I'm one of those guys when I find something I like, I usually overdo it. And I loved the moonlighting that you would hang up in a tree. And as you walk, the shadows of the limbs were down on the patio and all that. I got so tired of climbing in the tree and fixing those lights, I gave up on it. <laughs> but maybe you could give me a few tips on that as well. We're here with Aaron Merkow of Core Landscaping and John J. Harper here at Rosie on the House. We're going to take a short break and come back and wrap up the Outdoor Living Hour right here. Trying our hardest... To earn the title of every Arizona homeowner's best friend, we're here at Rosie on the House this morning, wrapping up the outdoor living hour. We try and educate you and entertain you about everything having to do with things outside your home, from the lawn to the pavers to the patio to the plants to the vegetable garden, every irrigation system, the outdoor lighting. And again, I think outdoor lighting, and and the reason I said it's only good for six hours a day is because I. I'm, I'm never awake past 10 o'clock. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, I'll say last night, the kids wanted to have friends over and swim, and it was an easy click of a button, and all the outdoor lights come on. and it Kaboom. It lights up the tree canopies, it ground lights, the pathway, and it just adds that not overbearing amount of light, but just the right amount to still be able to see and use your entire space. And, and on efficiency, I mean, it's become so much more energy efficient than when we used to have to run conduit. Everything was 110. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I mean, All the high voltage. Know, high voltage, <laughs> yeah. yeah, for sure. So, I mean, these low voltage systems just take literally almost no electricity. They do. And, and part of the benefit in designing that system is that you're able to get so many more lights on one tap. Instead of oh, getting to the capacity of the transformer and not really right, having right, it, right. You know, enough light. So it's, it's nice. It allows you to expand on it and put in path lights and up lights and kind of balance the lighting across your space. Yeah, I know we're focused on summertime, but it also we, we, we can use our landscapes in the winter outside at night here too. Amen. I mean, it doesn't get that. And especially if you throw in some heart like a fire pit or something like that, right? Yeah, of course. And, I mean, it's July now, but... Most of us contractors, it takes time to plan a project, design a project, bid per, a project. Permit a project. Permit a project. <laughs> so if you're thinking about changing it to be able to use it in the winter, modify some space, now is the time to start planning it. 
Um, these aren't executions that can be done overnight. These take a lot of planning and a lot of preparation, ordering materials, et cetera. So now's the time if you're if you wanted to change things up. Well, it's a great opportunity, and I'm I, again. I want to tip my hat to City of Scottsdale, who, as of August fifteenth, is not going to permit any new residential construction that allows a front. What do I call it? A front live yard, front live front lawn, live turf, yeah, <laughs> grass. Turf, grass, okay, yeah. grass. Uh, How's that? I think, <laughs> I think I think it's a step in the right direction. I really do. Um, these drought situations kind of have us rethinking things in a new way. I don't doubt for one second we don't have the know-how and the ingenuity to have all the water we need for years and years and years to come. People don't believe me when I tell them in the state of Arizona with, what, 8.1 million people now? I'll take your word for it. I mean, we're right in that range. We're using the same amount of water as we were in 19. 57 when Correct. we had what 1.3 million people yeah, we've traded, well we've traded agriculture for that's ur- right urban so you know we've traded out water it, that's right the thing that's scary a little bit though is where we're going out into desert areas now and developing where there wasn't any water being used before that's true so where is our net you know going to balance there and, and you know, that'll be the challenge and that's why the places like scottsdale glendale tempe you know, well, Tempe probably doesn't have a lot of opportunity for new development anymore, but the places that have opportunity for new development are the ones that are really going to have to be innovative to help keep that, you know, water in check. I think it, I, I, I we still got to feed people. So we still got to, yeah, we, do, we yeah, still got to water lettuce and Yuma and we've got to have water for, for alfalfa, for dairy cattle and that sort of thing. So there's a, there's a balance here that the urban folks probably haven't done their share where the Agriculture probably has done a better job. That's for sure. Of of monitoring and re, and being efficient with their water. Well, seventy uh, percent of the water, uh, on average, of every address in Maricopa County is used for outdoor use. I'm sure. And yeah. Just just a smart timer alone. Just yeah. something as simple as that could save you twenty to thirty uh, percent. How about troubleshooting analysis of your irrigation system? Uh, would uh, core landscaping? Uh, be willing to come out and kind of troubleshoot people's landscaping and see what kind of water they're wasting? Yeah, of course. I mean, that's usually where we start if we've not worked on a property. We just go through the entire um, property and create a report. It's basically a home inspection for your irrigation system. All right. How would people schedule that? Uh, they'd go to our website, uh, corelandscapeaz.com slash book, or they could call 602 525 2606. Aaron Murkow of Core Landscaping. Thanks a million for joining us. John Jay, thanks for coming in. And all the rest of you, stay tuned. Uh, Rosie's getting out the tall soapbox for the next hour. Yes, I'm going into one of those conversations. Uh, You're going to want to catch every word of it. We're going to be talking about the solar industry. And y'all know from prior, prior experiences, this is one I'm very passionate about. (laughs) Stay tuned. It's going to be a great hour.